Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's the Tom Bernard Show. Sitting in for Tom Bernard, I'm Dave Schrader, along with... L.A. Nick. Andy Brown-Bernard. Cassie Schrader. We've got a great show lined up for you. Stay tuned. We'll be back with more of the Tom Bernard Show. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically, we're trying to represent people who have been hurt then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, one of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys. It makes them very uncomfortable. They get nervous about it. What should I do? I've known Michael for years and years now, and I would highly recommend you. So that should be good enough for everybody because I don't endorse people who are dirtbags. Well, I, I appreciate that. Um, but I guess the key is, is people think I'll charge them if I talk to them. Right. So a lot of people call me up. It's like, how much is this going to cost if you call me back? Like, you want me to call you back? How much will that cost? I don't charge people. The only way I get paid is if we recover, um, if we get money from the, the other side. And there's a lot of people I talk to that I never get paid for that are just part of giving them advice to make sure they know what they can do and what their rights are. And your record's terrific as well, we should point out. Well, it works. It's been good. <laughs> it's been good, ladies and gentlemen. It's been good. And how do they contact you? And, uh, e- either through our website, which is minnesotapersonalinjury.com, minnesotapersonalinjury.com, or at 800-770-7008. Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Walzer Automotive is a Minnesota family-owned business that started in the 50s. It's grown by leaps and bounds, especially in the past few years, and they now have 23 dealerships spread across two states. The Walzer way includes upfront, no-haggle pricing on every single new and used vehicle they sell. If you change your mind, no problem. Check out Walzer's three-day return and 30-day exchange policy. I'm a customer, my family are customers, and many of my friends have bought cars from them. The Walzer way is really different, and I know you'll be pleasantly surprised. For great deals on new or used Acura, Audi, Buick, BMW, Chevrolet, Chrysler, Dodge, GMC, Honda, Hyundai, Jaguar, Jeep, Land Rover, Lexus, Mazda, Mercedes, Mini, Nissan, Porsche, Ram, Subaru, or Toyota, go to Walzer.com, Walzer Automotive Group, Walzer.com. Welcome back to the show. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you tomorrow. I'm sitting in. My name is Dave Schrader of Midnight in the Desert and Beyond the Darkness Radio. All right, guys, it's been a while since I've been in. It's good to see everybody and, and spend some time. I'm sure my wife caught you guys up on the fact that uh, I nearly died after my Romania trip. Yeah, I, I, I told her I've been through it. It's rough. The Transylvania trots, brother. Wow, does that get you? Dysentery is brutal. I was, I was mentioning to you guys off air, you know what? I, I thought I was living like the worst nightmare when it came to um i i didn't even know if i was gonna make it home i called my wife i said honey i i can't stand i'm sweating no, you i'm think sick. you're gonna die <laughs> i i said my chest hurts i don't know if i'm gonna make it home and she's like all right well just take it easy and rest i got to the airport in romania i flew luckily my my row was empty i napped from romania to paris but i'll tell you what i their security is a lot more lax in foreign countries because well, they, I look like the kind of guy that 
in every movie you'd want to pull aside. <laughs> I was shaken. I but was they sweating. See it, shifty they eyes. see it all the time. Do they? Yeah, dysentery is pretty common in a lot of countries, and so they see that stuff. Yeah. But you know what? If you just ha- if you take a Cipro, go to your doctor before you travel and get a pill called Cipro. The second you start feeling it, take that pill, and it will be gone. Because mm-hmm. once you have dysentery, you never want to have it again. <laughs> it is brutal. Well, when you're in Romania. They, Andy, they give you this thing at every meal. It's uh, called palinka. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to kill, a, it's supposed to kill it a, a dysentery. They call it a digestive. <laughs> yeah. They make it sound like it's this romantic little precursor well, drink. it's to kill dysentery. Right, I know. It's to kill yep. the disease. And yeah. this is the first time on, on the trip to Romania I didn't do it. Because palinka is like drinking lighter fluid. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm wishing I would have drank well, it Well, dysentery is brutal. Yeah. It's, and it can kill you. I was, uh, oh, you I thought not. I was going to go down, man. But that was can. it. I shook so hard. I gushed so you the sweats. sweats and the chills. Oh, and... unbelievable. And then here's the funny bit, right? I get into the uh, flight from Paris to Minnesota. And the and, airport's the worst. And I'm sitting in the um I'm sitting in the middle part of the plane, right by the restroom, so God granted me that little respite. And I'm in the aisle seat. And at one point, halfway through the flight, I'm leaning in my chair just wanting to die, right? And and from the back of the plane, this woman comes up to the bath- bathrooms. From the front of the plane, a guy comes forward into the middle of the plane. They meet by the bathrooms. And this is the honest-to-God exchange that takes place. He looks at her and he goes, it's hot out there. And she says, yes, but not as hot as Tanzania. And then they both go to separate bathrooms. Like CIA or something? Right. I'm like, Did I just witness a 1970s spy thriller? International spies. There was no handshake, no passing of microfilm. Did either, but... of, did either of them use the bathroom? Yes, they both went they into both opposite bathrooms, bathroom, though. Not the same. Because at first but I thought they, maybe I was about did, to watch did, did a hookup. No handoff or anything? No, that was mm. the whole. It was just this weird exchange. <laughs> and then I thought, do I alert? somebody because that was really weird and then i'm like am i in a hallucination sweat dream you might have been what am i doing but i watch it's, it's hot out there but not as bad as tanzania what a weird <laughs> thing to say yeah and it's weird because when you were there mm-hmm. it was not hot in paris no it was cold it was 50 because mm-hmm. i was there yeah. and it was 50 degrees well, yeah. uh, if you're a Siberian agent, then you think that's warm. Yeah. So. <laughs> but it, there was no accident. It was, cold, was, it was cold for Paris for that time of year. It's hot this time of year, <laughs> but not in Tanzania. <laughs> right? It wasn't even that. It was just two random people. It was the weirdest conversation. Did you see them hand microfilm to each no, other? No, as I said, there was no exchange. There was no. Mm. They didn't set briefcases down and grab each other's. I was a little disappointed. I totally would have turned around and said, so if you choose to accept this mission. <laughs> yeah. I just I couldn't speak. I was too busy shaking. And shuddering in my uh, chair. I felt bad. (laughs) Ramola Hodas will join us uh, a little bit later on in the show promoting her book, The Princess of 42nd Street, Surviving My Childhood as the Daughter of Times Square's King of Porn. Mm hmm. Makes you re-examine your own childhood and upbringing. <laughs> they really it? cleaned up Times Square now, though. <laughs> yeah, they have. Yeah, they got rid of all the porn. I remember when I first went to New York, uh, boy, I think it was about <clears throat> 10, 11 years ago. And I'd heard all these nightmares, and I, I had a beautiful time. I walked yeah, it was all in, gone by then. Yeah, I walked down the streets by myself. It was gorgeous. You went there in the eighties. You're like, wow. That's what I heard. It's, it's, it was it just was this X X X X X X everywhere. Just triple X everywhere. Except for Broadway. No, they even had triple. Yeah, it was everywhere. The the porn scene took. So you're saying I missed the good time? Well, pretty much. To visit, I got you. I got you. Well, we've got, uh, uh, sadly, some uh, unfortunate news, and and this hits close to home for you, Nick, right? Uh, We lost one of our brother in blue this this Uh, weekend. Lieutenant John Lurzini, his tough name to say, uh, he was a great guy. He was a staple at 7th and Hennepin for, God, eight, nine years. If you hung out downtown, you know John. They called him Mac because Mac and Cheese, his partner was Cheese, and he was Mac. Oh, really? And uh, everybody knew him. He was just a friendly guy. And unfortunately, he took his own life this weekend, Sunday. And, uh, tough tough pill to swallow. Everybody who knew him was like, what? Like, you, we had no – nobody had a clue. Even his partner just – blindsided everyone so look out for your friends and look out for depression and problems mm-hmm. because i mean i'm telling you there's no the, he was the happy guy just did no signs of depression well you know i, I grew up with a lot of trouble a lot of friends that were in the police force and it is a wearing business man when you do that and you see as much as you see they put on a certain face for a lot of people but behind it's 
that's got to wear on you. That's a really oh, tough and, business and to be a part of. Especially in today's world, because right. he, I talked to him a lot. I spent countless hours talking to John, and he told me, you know, it's a thankless. First of all, it's a thankless job. Right. Nobody thanks you. Nobody. I mean, just a thankless job. And you're not. He wasn't. He kind of got. They kind of put the hold on downtown cops that let them do their job, and it's all political so nobody wants to talk about it but it, it's to lower the crime rate in the city of minneapolis so they say to you hey listen if you're seeing something going on don't interact right away wait 10 minutes and let's see if it dissipates by itself so so it's you, not a reported crime right, it's not a crime the okay. crime doesn't happen so if Until somebody somebody's comes, arrested if you're or, fighting right. with somebody somebody comes up and starts punching you they're going to sit back and watch to see if it de-escalates and disappears by itself mm-hmm. Before they get involved, they even went to 18-minute response times for 911 calls to try to dissipate them. So it's all to lower the crime rate. So that takes a toll of your cop. You're like, I'm not even. What am I doing here? Like, you know, what what am I doing? So I think, and, and he talked to me about that a lot. And I think that took a big wear on him. That like, what am I doing here? I, I can't really do my job anymore. And it's a thankless job in the first place, and now I can't even do that. So you can't really make a difference in your community. It's tough. And I don't know if that's the, you know behind anything, but he did tell me that, and he was frustrated with the force and frustrated with the politics taking over the police department. And that's kind of what happened. And people don't realize city of Minneapolis is what's called a weak mayoral government. Our mayor has zero power except the police force. He is, so he's more of a figurehead. He than is the commander in chief of mm-hmm. MPD. That is the only role the mayor has, the city of Minneapolis, and and be a face. He he, he can't make any law. He can't mm-hmm. do anything. That's hmm. we're a city council city. We're a weak mayoral government. So if you look up weak mayoral government, it'll explain to you what that government is. But that's what Minneapolis is. But you do control the police department, which is a lot of power. Isn't there something more to be said? About, I understand you want to try to have a lowered crime rate, but if you have a quicker response time and you show the bad guys that were out there in force, doesn't that tend to push it out into other people's areas? You would think, areas? but it's easier. It's it's they, in their eyes, it's easier to be called a racist department if you do that. Um, it's easier to get criticized if you do that. If you just stand back and do nothing, you know. How hard is it to be a cop nowadays? No, oh, it's hard. You, uh, if you just hang out downtown and watch the abuse the cops take. No, no. I mean, how hard is it to become a cop? Oh, very hard. You have to have 30 college credits. Okay. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. it's not that easy to become a cop. So, because I was going to say, isn't there something to, especially inner city issues where you feel that there's heavy racism, why are we not hiring more police officers of color to integrate into these areas? Well, that's why. Because of just the educational values just not there? Yep. I mean, Minneapolis has a 51% high school dropout rate in the black community. Jeez. So, I mean, yeah, that'll do it. Yeah, the, you the other 49% other... aren't going to be a cop. They're in, they're in, you know, getting in the good, in the high-paying jobs. So, the 51% that chops at high school, they're not going to become cops. They're not going to become cops, and they're not mm. going to get a job at the 19 Fortune 500 companies that are based in downtown Minneapolis. So that's why we have. We have a very high welfare percentage in the city of Minneapolis. All right, but right there, you just said, how many Fortune 500 companies do we have downtown? 19. All right. Don't you think that there's enough interest in trying to keep them happy you would think, that you would police those you would areas think, you would, so that this wouldn't be would a, a crime-laden area? You would absolutely think. And that's, that's, why the city, that's why the downtown council came to be. Because the city would do nothing and just let it go downhill. So all these businesses like Target and Ameriprise and Thrivent, they start at the downtown council Mm. that actually has their own person in MPD. Mm. And they put all the camera system in the city. Those businesses did. The city of Minneapolis did not. Okay. People don't realize that the, these companies well, what good are, are the try- cameras if well, actually, all you're doing is recording the crimes. No, the cameras actually are good. If something happens, they can follow you every square right. foot of the city. Right. And so if you if you do shoot somebody or do something and commit a crime, serious, they only care about serious crime. Anything else, they don't really care about. And there's no statute of limitations on murder. So, right. so even they if can, they're backlogged right now, they will follow now, you all the way to your house or wherever yeah. you're going. We have a, we have an extensive camera system. I've been in the control room. It's two control rooms and. It's just they can just keep following you, and mm. they'll find you. 
It's a pretty extensive system. Minneapolis has one of the most extensive camera systems in any city its size. So it, but that people don't realize that was done by those big companies to to try to keep the cities a little bit safer because the city just didn't care. Is it is it that the city doesn't care or that they're just uh, th- their hands are tied? I think. Well, I oh, think they're tying their hands though. I, I think it all. This is what changed it. It all changed a long time ago when we started this thing called Meet Minneapolis, which is our tourism department. And they started marketing the city of Minneapolis mm-hmm. to people all over the world. They, we, even have, we even have a full-time employee in China mm. to market Minneapolis to Chinese people. So they had to start cook, kind of cooking the books to say that we're a very vibrant, safe city. So to do that, they had to lower the crime rate. The easiest way to lower the crime rate is not arrest anybody. Right, but then you've got uh, uh, travelers that are coming here that they're not being confronted by this kind of crime. Yes, our crime rates, our crimes to the roof. If you look, just just recently, a local musician got shot in the stomach. I think we're like, like in the ninety eighth percentile for we have we have crime. very high crime downtown, yeah. but nobody actually gets arrested. And these are just random attack crimes. Yeah, are yeah. they hate crimes? Oh, are they ra- gangland? Uh, it's both. Well, like yeah. Some some a girl got jumped yesterday. I think by uh, four men. Happens every day, but nothing happened. Nobody ever gets arrested for it. We have more violent crime than Chicago. We have more no. violent, yeah, street crime. Mm-hmm. Really? Street crime, I yeah. thought Chicago is like going through the roof right now with killings and murder. A lot of it is, but there are parts that are safe. Right. But that's well, the thing about per downtown capita, Minneapolis. Per yeah, per capita. We have we yeah. have we have a very high street crime rate. We have very high rape rates. Like oh, very yes. high. Very no high. kid. Fourth we're, in the uh, fourth in the nation. We're one of the I think. only see that that's go, that's climbing in rapes in rapes. Hmm. We're climbing. Yeah, fun. We went up, I think, to like twelve percent last year. You know, it, and what's really weird is because it's not being projected and people aren't aware of that. It's no, just it's opening the, the for more of this. The marketing department, even 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 John's death, they won't they won't ever talk about it. Yeah, here we go. We are the number four city in the country for rape per capita. Holy cow, honey, you're no longer going downtown alone. <laughs> yeah. No, I I refuse to go downtown alone. Mm-hmm. But worse than St. Louis. Worse, a lot worse than places like Chicago. Chicago's actually nobody wants good to talk about it. They do not want to talk about it. They That's alarming, man. That is up, terrifying. They mm-hmm. will they will blacklist you if you talk about it. They're crazy. It's all. How, it's but all how the, does how do we get to this point, Nick? How does this kind of thing? How does this kind of uh, crime wave happen and, and nobody I'm reports t- on t- it? I'm telling you now. It's it's Melvin Tennant who runs Meet Minneapolis is the highest paid. The highest paid person in taxpayers' money in the state of Minnesota. He makes more than the governor makes to run our tourism department. Not for the state, just for the city of Minneapolis. So there, there's so much behind it. And there's, there's, and you gotta remember, we have those 19 Fortune 500 companies here that have a lot of what they call corporate tourists. Right. From all over the world coming here. Mm-hmm. So they have, they, 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 they have dug a hole a mile deep under the rug, and they sweep everything right, under that rug. Right, but if the council is aware of this, why aren't they forcing this into the public to say this needs to be stopped? Because they're, we need they're this to afraid happen. if they say that there's problems here, that people will stop coming. Same with this. I've talked to lots of hotel uh, GMs downtown. Now a lot of them are saying, but when I first started crying, stop the crime downtown, a lot of them said, shut up, don't tell anybody that because we don't want to lose business. Yeah. Let's, we'll, we'll carry this on. We have to take a break. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here with the founder and CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. He's here to talk about a great service and an app that you can get because you're a customer of North American Banking Company. It's called XCheck. All right, Michael, my friend, how do you get it? What's the situation? Do I need it? All that stuff. It's an application that we designed to compete with the national applications out there for person-to-person payments. You can get it at the Apple Store or the Android Store. It's for payments that you want to make when you don't have cash. If you want to pay the kid who shovels your driveway, if you want to settle up a dinner 
check if you want to settle up a bet on the golf course. When you don't have cash, you can use the app. The payment will settle directly into the payee's account literally the same day. This is Tom. Why not bank with my banker? An X-Check, I'm going to get it today. Check out nabankco.com slash KQ for more about X-Check. North American Banking Company, a better banking experience. Member FDIC and equal housing lender. Tom Bernard here for Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. Whiting Clinic has changed their name to include their two specialties, LASIK and cataract surgery. Whiting Clinic is best known for their amazing LASIK results and ability to enhance thousands of lives by restoring vision to clarity without the need for glasses or contacts. You've heard me rave about them for years. You know that. But did you know they're also experts in cataract surgery? Yes, indeed. And I'm a perfect example of their good work. You know what I'm saying. I see so clearly now. When my clear LASIK vision started to fade due to cataracts, Whiting Clinic took care of me again and have the most advanced lens technology so I can see far away and up close without wearing any glasses. If you're over 60 and have noticed your vision starting to fade, call the experts at Whiting Clinic LASIK and Cataract. To learn more about your options for cataract surgery and clearer vision, visit whitingclinic.com or call 855-554-2020. That's 855-554-2020. And please tell them Tom sent you. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. I'm Dave Schrader. And uh, we're talking about the creepy state of affairs in our fair city here of Minneapolis. Uh, what's St. Paul like? Are we in, in the same kind of throes it's of... It's better. It's better, but you know what? I think now St. Paul is going the same direction. All right, so now here's my you quick know, they question. Just passed, they just passed a $15 minimum wage law yesterday in St. Paul. Oh, yeah? In case you didn't know that. I didn't know that. Yeah, so a lot of little places in St. Paul will be out of business. Hmm. Well, yeah. Well, okay, so answer me this. You say this isn't being promoted, it's not being reported, but Andy goes online and finds out we're the fourth worst city in the nation. Right, but so people it is can being find reported. this information well, if they can, want yes, to. Yes, you can find it. But they don't want by, to, though. By, from other sources in other parts of the country, but Minneapolis will not talk about it. it that's why I started... Right, right, but if Minneapolis isn't reporting the crimes, how are the other sources getting the information about the crimes that aren't being reported? Do you follow me? Well, I'm they sh- go by victimization rates. Right. So, like, you know, if someone gets murdered, people are going to know. Well, yeah, it's going to be. They part, don't necessarily convict someone of it. So, it so they're show saying up on... we're fourth worst with the limited information they and, have, and which rem- means we may be much higher. And in remember, the, rankings. the percentage of women that actually report a rape is very low. Huh. It's very low. I think it, it's it's like twenty percent. It's very low that will actually report it. Most women do won't will not report right out of embarrassment or feeling like they they put themselves in the position and they don't report it, which I don't understand. But they don't. The percentage rates alarmingly low. Well, it's because as you see played out in the in the local or in in national news, you talk about being raped and suddenly you're a whore. You ask for it. You put yourself in these positions. I think think there's other reasons too. I think for me, if I was a woman and I got raped, I wouldn't want my husband to know and fear that he wouldn't want to be with me anymore. Stuff like that would go through your mind, mm-hmm. and it would. It would go through your mind. And right, but I, I don't, how would you hide that from your husband emotionally? You've got to look like a wreck. I mean, my wife, you know, she has the smallest thing happen, and you can read it on her face yeah, if something major too. like that right. happened. I agree. You yeah, know. But, but I don't know why the, the report rates are very low. Now, like I said, I think a lot of it's embarrassment of the situation or but, fear of being judged. I'll, t- I'll tell you. It's you an unfair re- world that we live in if, with the way we treat women in our society still. It's it's disgusting, well, deplorable. But, but think about the way they treat women in other countries. Yeah, but the but think that's the worst explanation i've ever heard i don't care but that's what that's what these different political sides always say well this guy did that yeah but it's not as bad as hitler how is that an you know uh, an epiphany so what it's not as bad as hitler but that doesn't address the situation at hand i agree but i think we're the we're probably the best in the world at how we treat our women if I've traveled a lot. I think United States. That, that still doesn't make it right, though. No, it I mean, it shouldn't. No, we, it we shouldn't be like, well, go. hey, let's pat ourselves on the back that we're not forcing women to be so silent and cover the, we themselves. We have a long way yeah. to go, but we're probably the best, which is sad. <laughs> well, it's yeah, because like especially in Middle Eastern co- countries, if a woman is raped, 
then she's the one that gets punished because oh, yeah, she, she asked for it. Like publicly, she yeah. gets punished. Stone. Right, but again, we still can't dismiss mm-hmm. that that makes our country better because we don't do that. We still have a long way to go. We can't hold I, ourselves I always, to the standards of always, how yeah. low everybody else holds themselves. So I would say we're the best messed up country in the world. Yeah, <laughs> we're the best of the uh, we're the the best of the worst yeah. is what you're saying. We need, yeah, we need to set ourselves as a higher example for the world, especially well, when it not comes even, to. We don't need to worry about showing an example to the rest of the world. We just need to show an example to our own people, to our mm-hmm. own, you know, to the human race. It doesn't. I don't care what Russia or China or Korea yeah, thinks of us. They're all bad with women. The, too. the fact of the matter is, it doesn't matter to me what they think of us. What, what matters to me is what we think of each other, and. That we should be elevating one another. And in these moments, you know, I, listen, I know it's said and I listen and I watch people on social media sites and they say, well, you know, this woman waited so long to come forward. So she's obviously into it for the money. And instead of giving any credence to these people's claims, it's that they're money grubbers, they're this, they're that, they waited too long instead of looking at the embarrassment factor. And in in some of those cases, it just makes me wonder what it's like for men that have been sexually accosted. How how many come out after they've been brutally raped by uh, by somebody that, that was a superior or overpowered them? Are they coming forward? They don't. Right. So, so more of them need to step forward to stand up in alignment with women saying, hey, listen, that's not how it works. We can't just keep lumping them in that they're, a lot they're of men, like this. A lot of men have been molested, mm-hmm. but they don't come forward ever. Right. Very so, few, very few. And then you run into the fact that you've got people that are, um, you know, well, let's dismiss her because of that. Or, uh, you know, if it's not that they're trying to cash in, they waited too long. There's, you know, shame doesn't have a time frame, unfortunately. And it, 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 the only difference for me, if it's politically involved, I kind of ride the fence. Right, but here, put, put yourself in this politics, position. So okay? I, I don't trust politics. Right, but, but you put yourself in this position. Okay, you know that Barry raped this girl five years ago, but Barry works at a gas station on the corner and he's not in any kind of position that you you are concerned. He, he did his time. He did or he he's out there. People kind of know about it. But all of a sudden, Barry decides he wants to run for mayor of, of Minneapolis and you're not going to run for mayor, Nick. But this information is out there. Is it not important that people should be aware that Barry's oh, a rapist? Oh, I would tell them instantly. Exactly. So here's the point is people are stepping forward going, wait a minute, before you get any more power, people should realize the abuse that you're causing or that you have caused. So it's it's a double-edged sword that, yeah, well, when it comes into politics, you have to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater because there's sour grapes on both sides. But on the other side, somebody needs to be responsible and say, we've got to stop the monster yeah, but, before if, they if get any more power. If that's a sure thing, I would be the first person right. to say but He's a rapist. if it's a sure thing, in their minds, it's a sure thing because it happened to them. It's real easy for us to say on either side of this, well, she's politically motivated. She wants to stop this from going on or he wants to stop this. So they're pushing this person forward. Maybe it is just the fact that if we give them the, the benefit of the doubt and, and get past the political party BS and just get to the fact that we need to report the reality of a situation in a story and cut the head off the monster I know it's it's a tough line because you don't know who is manipulating the there, there's the a, stories. There's rape is more prevalent than you think it is. No, I'm very aware. It's it's everywhere. I'm very aware, and especially in certain cultures in this country, it's very common. I think it's across the board. Well, in certain cultures, it's more, mm-hmm. and it's sad. Yeah, that nobody. But and it's sad because nobody wants to talk about it. They don't want to talk about it. Like you can't talk about it. Well, right. And I'm sure I, there are people flipping stations right now because they don't want to f- deal with the harsh reality of, of talking about the subject. And that's part of the problem. If you don't address it, and you, you just let well, that, it live underground. Is, this, the monster this gets bigger. This is what started my whole thing of playing police dispatch calls. Mm-hmm. Because everybody's like, Minneapolis is one of the safest cities in the country. I'm like, what are you out of your mind? Listen, to, Just listen to police dispatch for one day. Just one day, listen to 911 calls. It's not the police making this stuff up it's people calling 911 so if you listen to those 911 calls and you can listen to them if you listen to them that's the best way to know what's going on how in can city. people access 911 calls uh well there's multiple you can go there's lots of apps you can pull up and uh if you go on my website which is mayor of minneapolis.com all in word 
there's a you can go on there and the bottom says police dispatch and you can you can log on there but you can listen to any city you can listen to chicago you can listen to minneapolis you can listen to st paul if you listen to, to 911 dispatch you really get to know your city and mm-hmm. it's a common routine of what every night it's the same thing you start here all day it's drunken disorders and then at night you start assault 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 uh DK down, which is drunk person down, drunk assault, drunk assault, drunk assault. And then you start getting into robberies late, like after midnight, armed robbery, armed robbery, shots fired, shots fired, shots fired. And it's just, it's the same thing every day. But nobody talked, and you can hear horrific crime on the scanner, live, like the police yelling and guns firing, and you look for it on the news. Anytime, you'll never find it. You'll never find a story about it. I remember one time... Well, why, why isn't the media, why aren't the people holding the politicians to effect in this? When we have these open forums, why is somebody not stepping up with a recording saying, this is one night well, in Minneapolis? I did, and they, they blacklist you. They, they don't want to hear about it. They, don't, they do not want to hear about it. Right, but you get the floor. You get the chance to play it, and they may not want to hear about it, but you're making it publicly aware to other people. Oh, I did, and that I, are I, out there. I did, and, and, and Tom Tom has has the show on his network. If you go to Tom Bernard Network, you can find it on there. And I have a, a clip that that I played for Tom. They're just amazed of a SUV driving backwards down Washington Avenue, right downtown, with a guy shooting an AK-47 out the back window at cars behind him, <laughs> and that never made the news. Uh. It was never on the news. How's that possible? Did you send the recording to the news stations to see if they give they, you a reply? They, they, they said there, was never, there wasn't an arrest and nobody got hurt. So it doesn't matter? doesn't matter. <laughs> and even the only one they did, they did report on is a guy, another guy shooting out of a car window that, that shot, was just randomly shooting and caught an ambulance. Well, listen. No. Here, he, here's an, another... he, he shot it, he, he, a couple of bullets, hit an ambulance. They did report that call. So here, here's this story, though, right? Other states and cities would love to blemish another city. Why aren't you contacting <laughs> Chicago? So that Chicago can take some of the heat off of Chicago for a while and go, hey, you think we're bad? Look well, what's going on well, in Minnesota and Florida. And, unfortunately, and they can you, start if you reporting listen it. To, if you listen to Nile, i tell you, if you want some real entertainment, mm-hmm. listen to Chicago's Dispatch. <laughs> right, but, but, but that's not my point. My point is if you start reporting it in other cities – and major cities around the United States start reporting it. It's going to hold people's feet to the fire yeah, and make them yeah, accountable. I agree, I agree. So why aren't we making that available? Yeah, I mean, you, you can't get anybody local to do it. But if the rest of the world is taking notice, suddenly yeah. there yeah. needs to be. Th- yeah. Then you That's start true. getting the it's National Guard. Then I'll you start, start getting people I'll involved. Start marketing the show in Chicago. <laughs> well, not even that, but sending the calls to the local uh, affiliates to to right. ABC, CBS, NBC, and other states, and yeah. say, why is this well, not now, being reported so, in Minnesota? So, so now. What, what the city has done, mm-hmm. and I'm sure Meet Minneapolis has saying it, now they have blocked you from MPD crime calls. So you only can hear calls that an ambulance is being dispatched because they're not allowed to block those. Mm. But they have blocked just pure like murder scenes without an ambulance. Like You can't hear any of that anymore. Oh, could they like scramble the, uh, yeah. the radio signal or yeah. something? Yeah. Well, they they cut dumb. it out. Hmm. So you only can hear calls that ambulances were dispatched at. Okay. So but if it's just a crime like armed robbery and an, and an ambulance wasn't dispatched, you won't hear that anymore. Hmm. So I have to get my information now from people that are on the inside. But unfortunately, then you don't have anything to corroborate it other than somebody's word that doesn't oh, want to come forward. No, no I, I, can, I still get recordings. Oh, you do? Yeah. Well, then, yeah, why, let's start leaking them. <laughs> start putting them out to NBC Nightly News and ABC and, and everybody. That's got to start drawing I, attention. I they thought, love to besmirch other cities and states. They love to show how horrible another city or state I, is. I thought for sure things would change with the new mayorship, but unfortunately— Well, you're the one that said we're uh, in a yeah. weak mayorship uh, yeah, government. But, but he does control the police department. If he let mm-hmm. the police do their job, they could— Cut it down a little bit, but the hatred. But what's the pressure on him? Where, where's the boot because on the throat for him? Because people are so anti-police right now yeah. that that if he lets them do their job, like he got he people were were up in arms that he had national guard here during the Super Bowl. Up in arms that Humvees were along Nicolet Mall. They right, were but, up in arms. But people have to realize that wasn't his decision. I'm guaranteeing <laughs> right. you, the NFL but, had a and, big and you, and you hand in we controlling that. We didn't that. have one incident. Right. Zero. Right. So people, we got to realize, the police are so a necessary. Are, so, 
so thing th- there in this are world. there are very strong black leaders. Why are the black leaders not calling together a grouping oh, they where they are? say, you no, think to, they're not no, no, tired hold of tight. Let me finish crime? the statement. So they get together with the people of their communities to say, this needs to stop and here's how we're going to do it. And we're not going to call the race card. We're going to hold ourselves accountable so that when the police have to make these stops, you have to realize this could save your life, your child's life, your parents' life, your, your wife's life. If you continue to cause the race, uh, race card and call this into effect when, in fact, we're doing things wrong that are calling the police to this area, we're all going to just we're, – we're, do- we're doomed. I agree. I mean, it just seems like that's a no-brainer. It, what, but there what is it, people in the black community doing that. Right, but it, on a low level, right? Are they getting no, any ground or traction? They, they won't, they, they, they're very organized, but they don't get any traction. And why aren't they getting traction? Because there's just not enough play with... Uh... Because, because the people in power just shut them down. They do. But I would think they'd want the black community or the, the Somali community or the Hmong community behind them to help curtail this you, kind of you, crime. You would think, wouldn't you? Yeah. You would think. You would. You would think. It's almost it's like somebody wants, them, wants it to be bad. Like they want. Like that. we're heading to the purge, is what it sounds like. <laughs> they we're want, just going to start. We're going to let crime get so out of control that eventually we just have to agree the way we're going to do this is urban purge. I get. I, I kind of gave up. up and walked away from being so involved because hmm. it's almost like they want it to go bad. They want it to crash. I hope that's not the case. Uh, we have to take a break. When we come back, uh, hopefully our guest will be joining us. Yes, Ramola she's Hodes, on the phone promoting the book, The Princess of Forty Second Street. We'll do that when we return. I'm Dave Schrader, and you're listening to the Tom Bernard Show. Tom Bernard here to tell you, Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand-new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority is also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry, This 0% offer is available for a limited time. Call Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning to find out more, and please tell them that Tom sent you. Sabre and Bryant, whatever it takes. We're back. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back in studio with you tomorrow. Sitting in for Tom, I'm Dave Schrader, and joining me now on the show, promoting her book, The Princess of 42nd Street, Surviving My Childhood as the Daughter of Times Square King of Porn, is Ramola Hodas. Thank you for joining us today. Sure. Hi. Hello. What, what a, a remarkable story uh, and, and life, Ramola. I mean, boy, if, if uh, any of us have thought we've got a weird strange family you guys certainly take the cake in this uh in the just in the little about the author it says Ramola Hodas was born in Queens and raised on Long Island the oldest of four children of a brilliant bipolar mother and Times Square's notorious king of the peep show pornographer father Martin Hodas uh wow so congratulations for being here with us and and surviving this kind of lifestyle Ramola uh, talk to us about that. What what was it like to be not on the periphery watching this happen in the city around you, but realizing that you were part of this story, your family was part of this? Well, uh, it was <laughs> a culmination of things. Uh, I really found out what my father did I, when I was 14. Uh, he was actually on the front page of the New York Daily News for a week, 
and my first period teacher would start uh, the class with, gee, Ramola, do you really have a, a door in the floor of your basement and you open up and there's money flying around? And I'd be like, oh, my God, I just want to fall through the earth. Well, what, Ramola, help uh, us out here. Uh, 14 years old is when you realized it. So that means you had 13 yeah. years of being around your father. You had no clue what your father's career was? Well, or was this Tony Soprano? Dad, he just my, was my, working for Hallmark, and that's what you <laughs> thought was going on. Um, my father started uh, the business when I believe I was 10 or 11. Okay. Before that, he had a jukebox, cigarette, and uh, pinball machine route. Okay. And what happened was when uh, go, go ahead, you gonna. I was gonna say something because that that business in New York's really shady business. Anything coin up. <laughs> oh really? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's all drop points for different stuff. People use the machines to drop stuff off and money transfers. All right, let's not put that in Ramallah's head. She's already been through enough. Uh, so. Well, uh, you know what happened was he had some uh, machines in some of the bookstores in Times Square. Mm-hmm. And he was in New Jersey, he had to go to the bathroom, and he was in an arcade, and he went downstairs, and he saw 15 old peep shows, and he was like, wow, what happens if I put girly films in the peep, sh- in the peep shows? And he went back to uh, New York, and nobody would take the peep shows, because everybody was saying to him, don't you think it would already be done if it could be done, you lean a license, blah, blah, blah. So my father found out that he didn't need a license, and then the first bookstore, I remember, was 259 West 42nd Street. They took two machines, and that night, the man called my dad and said, Marty, you have to come back into the city. There's a line out the door, and the machines are full, and they won't show. And I remember my father coming home and saying, Jesus, I feel like I invented sex. (laughs) So that's how he started you know he put the 15 machines out and then he went back to the arcade and said you know i'd like to buy some more and the man now these said, machines are these gave, like the ones where you'd put the nickel in and you'd look in the little binoculars and the film yes, or, yes, unspools in yes. front of you okay hmm. yes they were re- they were about five feet high and like a little refrigerator mm-hmm. and one of the things that my dad did was he invented the like closet kind of, uh, sure. you know, where yeah. you could go in and close the door. The photo like booth the version, right, you know. yeah. And then it turned into you're in that closet and a slot would go up, and inside there would be a round wooden stage that would be moving, mm-hmm. and there'd be girls dancing. Okay. I remember uh, those. <clears throat> Yeah. I remember yeah. those. Hoodlum. I've been around the block a few <laughs> times, so I've seen those in video games before. <laughs> right. Andy, you're I, living right. the life. I, I actually I'm remember sure. those in New York City. Okay. Hmm. Yeah. And um, it was, it was you know, with all this going on, you know, my mother was bipolar and personality disorder and very violent at, at times, many times. And I had to protect. I had two sibling, have two sibling, uh, two sisters and one brother, mm-hmm. and you know it was, you know, protecting them and myself from her, and then pre- protecting them from my father, because the more he got involved in this world, the more drugs he did, the more pressure he had, uh, and he would come home coming down from like cocaine or black beauties and just looking for a fight, you know, and I would just tell everybody, get upstairs, it's 10 to 6, daddy's going to be home, you know, and he'd come home and just be a crazy person. So, and then at other times, he was funny in the life of the party, and, you know, he walked into a room and, Everybody knew knew he was there. You know, it was right. He had a big personality, but big personality big. and big drugs causes big problems. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Uh, how how did he avoid? So, how did he avoid the? Or did he not avoid it? The being in bed with the mob in that business in New York City. 
because right. you, the mob controlled so, all that stuff in New York City. Well, <clears throat> it had to be invented before they could watch, get into it, right? <laughs> mm. Did any of you watch the Deuce? Any of you watch the Deuce? No, I did not. I, I missed it, unfortunately. Well, <clears throat> it's it's in the second season, and it's going to be the third season. Okay. And then I think they're over. But uh, Saul Stein plays my father in that show, and it was really weird. It's weird. Um, and I met Saul Stein, and he's a great guy. But anyway, so what the deuce is getting wrong and the papers got wrong was that my father was not paying off the mob. Shh, quiet. Um, so, so this is what happened. Um, number one, he had a sit down with them. Well, first, let me back up. When he was when he had his jukebox business, um, he went to put a jukebox in this place where there was another jukebox, and I believe it was called Bump. I, I forget the name of of what it's called when when there was like wars between the jukeboxes. Anyway, my father would move the jukebox. He would come back. The other man's jukebox was there. They'd move back. Finally, my father just shoved the person's jukebox down the stairs. <laughs> well, okay. it turned out to be one of the, you know, I think it was Joe Colombo. Yeah, because the mob ran the coin-op business. Yeah. They ran so, it. So my father didn't know that it, he just thought it was some, you know. Uh, some putz that was going up against guy. him. A guy right. like right. him. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and, you know, they said, you know, we, we want to have a sit-down with you. And my father said, go to hell. So he was on the, the Belt Parkway, mm-hmm. uh, in, you know, going to Brooklyn or whatever, and somebody from a car shot three bullets through the car. And I'll never forget when my father, and it only, thank God, it didn't, it, 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 it like hit the side of his head. So my father's like, okay. So they had to sit down, and, my, my, and you know, they, my father finds out who, who it is. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Joe Colombo got the spot. He gave my father $50. But they kind of became friends because my fa- he thought my father had a lot of chutzpah. So what my father did when he was, uh, got into the porn industry and, you know, they had wanted money from him. And I remember him saying, you'll have to kill me before I'm giving you any of my money but I will do something for you. And what he did was he taught them how to, how to run the business. And they bought the machines from him, and they bought the films from him, and they bought the toys from him. So <clears throat> he, didn't, he didn't have to pay them. He helped them build the business. And, you know, I used to go on vacation with some of these guys when I was a little kid, you know, so I kind of know that that is what happened. And, you know, I wrote that, because no, everybody's like, how did he, you know, he must have been in the mob. And then also, it's a long story, and I don't know if you want to hear the whole thing, it's in the book, but because of something that happened, my father did something for Whitey Leibowitz, the Jewish, the Jewish mafia. Well, there was a lot and of Jewish mafia protect- at that time. Yeah. So they protected, they looked after my dad, too, um, because my father did him a favor. So what, what years were these? Uh, <clears throat> um, well, this was like seven, it was from the 70s to 85. Because yeah, I started going to New York City like about 79, 80. And I'll tell you, it was a spectacle to see. I mean, that's all that was there. <laughs> it was very scary. It was. It I was. Mean, it was very scary. When I used to go visit my father, you know, you had to behave like, you know, you had an attitude. I remember one time I came and somebody just walked by me and ripped my necklace right off my neck. 
I just remember so I was walking like, in some hmm. of the in some of those sex places, and I think so, some of them were just pure flat out brothels going on upstairs. Like I remember going. You think? No, I there was. Mm. I remember going <laughs> yeah, in one I building, that change, and they had like a they had a, a I'm not kidding like a western wooden fence in the middle of the room. Mm. There was a whole bunch of girls in lingerie sitting on chairs just sporadically through the room, and you, you walked you know to the fence, and they you just picked which girls you wanted. And I was a little kid. I was you know I was. 18, 19 years old, but I was watching guys going in there. Going, I'll take her and going in back rooms, and that's what that's what Times Square was at that time. It was just a big porn well, place. You really weren't supposed to do that in the bookstores. I'm not saying that stuff wasn't going on, but you know, uh, I remember you know my father being called into New York because the police found that some of the girls were you know, prostituting themselves up there, and they, you're not, you, you couldn't do that there. I mean, so, uh, but it was going on for sure. Right. You know, just like massage parlors and whatnot. Um, what so, a crazy you know, life. And, was, and so you've got all this going on, and then you're even being called out as a kid. You're being called out at a, in school from your teachers. Yeah. I wish I remembered this woman's name. How do you do that? So, you know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, fourteen year. You know, I, I, I and and I, you know, when I tell this story, I say to myself, why the hell did you go back? You know, the, the, if you knew she was doing it two days in a row, why? But who, who knows why? But it right, was you're just, a kid. What are you going to do? Right. 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 Hmm. So. Uh, so do you yeah. have do you have any of those old machines left? <laughs> 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 what you want one? Well, they're they're um, actually they're big no, money. They're big no. money. They're big money today. Yeah, they're vintage. I'm yeah, sure. They go for big money. You know, my they're a couple grand my on eBay. Father uh, got out of the business, and then he got back into the business after he came out of jail, and then Giuliani like yeah, Giuliani closed. wiped it out. Yeah. I mean, Show World just closed in April. Playground is still open, but nothing on 42nd Street. No, Times Square, he cleaned it there. out. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it needed to so, be done. Yeah. I mean, so many people are like, oh, wow, you know, it, they made it like Disney. I'm like, well, mm. what, you like <laughs> what, the other better? What version of I Disney mean, are we talking about? I've been there. Uh, what a life. What, I mean... First of all, I, I applaud again. You are a very strong individual to have lived through what you had to do and still be there to take care of your family, your, your brothers and sisters, and and help everybody get through that. So, congratulations to you. That that's really something, and it shows the kind of fortitude that you have. And then to to feel brave enough to come forward and tell this story uh, again should be commended. And what a an interesting part of history to look back at from a very unique perspective. Uh, we'll we'll have a link up to this and uh, let people know about it. Ramola Hodas, our guest again. The book is called "The Princess of Forty Second Street: Surviving My Childhood as the Daughter of Times Square's King of Porn." We will uh, have those links up. We've got to take a break. We've got more coming your way. Stay tuned. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Tom Bernard Show.